0: Welcome to the Dr. Bubbs Performance Podcast, giving you the latest evidence based research and cutting edge insights for elite mental and physical performance. He's connecting you directly with the world's leading experts and coaches. Here's your host, Dr. Bubbs.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Dr. Bubbs Performance Podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure to sit down with a legend in the field of nutrition and sports nutrition. Dr. Susan Kleiner, PhD. Dr. Kleiner is going to talk all things weight loss, the first in a two-part series, and the special focus of this episode is on weight loss in women, the general public, recreational athletes, and elite female athletes as well. She's going to dive into the root cause of weight gain that we see today in the general public, the best way for you to get a baseline assessment and to measure your progress going forward the repercussions of caloric restriction and severe caloric restriction on female physiology and hormone balance, the effect of gut bacteria on weight gain, the benefits and potential pitfalls of HIT training in women, the importance of carbs for fueling high-intensity training, and so, so much more. Phenomenal episode here. Um, tons of clinical pearls and fantastic practical tips from Dr. Kleiner. As always, you can check out my layups for the simple, actionable tips, as well as the performance tips for more in-depth application at drbubs.com forward slash podcast. Enjoy the show. I'm joined today by Dr. Susan Kleiner, PhD, co-founder and fellow of the International Society of Sports Nutrition and a fellow of the American College of Nutrition. She is the owner of High Performance Nutrition, Director of Science and Communication of Vitargo Global Sciences, faculty at University of Northern Iowa, and currently serves as the high-performance nutrition consultant to the Seattle Storm in the WNBA and the Seattle Reign FC. She also consults with many other professional teams, including the Seattle Seahawks and Mariners, the Cleveland Browns and Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, Olympians, and many, many more elite athletes in countless sports. Dr. Kleiner has authored eight books, including the bestseller Power Eating, as well as The Good Mood Diet and The Power Food Nutrition Plan. She is one of the foremost nutrition authorities in the world, and she is here today with us. Susan, thanks so much for taking the time today.
0: Oh, wow. Thanks for that. That's um, my pleasure.
1: Well, listen, we're going to talk fat loss here today, the first in a two-part series on on weight loss, and today specifically in females. So to kick things off, perhaps we can talk a little bit about this fact that 9 out of 10 people who lose weight will actually fail to keep it off after a year. So what do you think is going on in the world around us, the environment that's contributing to this inability for people to maintain a healthy body composition? You
0: know, it's such a good question, and, and I, I'm not going to be so bold as to actually have the answer, but one of the big things is, is that we are really expert at going on diets to go off of them, yeah. and maintenance has not been a focus. And so we um, go on you know big wish, big dream, big goal, um, highly restricted diets usually. And they aren't possible to maintain. They aren't designed for long term. And typically we are not feeding ourselves or fueling ourselves well enough, to then maintain a healthy lifestyle over a long period of time. So, so there are diets that we create to go on and then go off and you go off and you haven't developed a lifelong plan. And so, so that's, that's, I'd say one big part of the problem.
1: Absolutely. A lifestyle is such a key component of this whole piece. And, you know, for yourself and working with so many, um, women, athletic women, general population, what are some of the, the major hurdles, um, whether it's in terms of their nutrition or, or activity that, that create this issue with being able to consistently lose weight and hold it off?
0: Um, the, the real gut understanding that this is a long-term process and, you know, if you've made a decision that you want to drop 10 pounds for an upcoming event, okay, then, then we have that strategy. Um, but if it, it's the rare time when I actually work on that kind of, uh, you know, like I'm ha- having, uh, you know, a cruise coming up or a wedding or something, we're usually looking at long-term strategies. And so, always starting in the off season um, and, and knowing that we're set up for months and months of um, slow body composition change and at the same time working really hard on habit changes because just sort of cutting things out that don't change your regular daily habits and working on those behavior change strategies are really important. And also making sure that we are fueling your day, including fueling your training. And so the biggest problem with women, especially women who challenge themselves athletically, is that our bodies will preferentially fuel our high intensity energy demand and so we can do our sport but the rest of our body starts to fall apart because we are not fueling our foundational health needs and that's where things start to sort of drain and you you fall back on old habits because you're so tired and if you're really you know, serious about that level of control, your body starts to break down.
1: Yeah, and specific to women, you know, what are some of those repercussions when we talk about, you know, excessive or prolonged caloric restriction, a lot of the, you know, the fad diets in terms of health or hormonal balance?
0: Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the our reproductive system, which is controls the top of the pyramid <laughs> Of our peripheral metabolic pathway, our our reproductive hormones are integrally linked to our energy metabolism. And when uh, we don't have enough energy available, which is, um, as I said, many young athletes in particular, in their you know from their teens to their you know until about 30, they can. Push through low energy availability, and they're fueling their sport, but they're not fueling their reproductive systems. They're not fueling bone mineral metabolism. They're not fueling their even their brains, their cardiovascular system, um, um, protein, uh, you know, and tissue building, and all of that recovery system as that starts to break down first thing, first thing that most women notice is that they lose their periods or their periods become irregular and that's not normal and it's not good and in fact in studies that have pitted women who are at an olympic level of training and performance those that have maintained their periods compared to those who purposefully tapered their diet toward competition and lost their menstrual cycle, those who maintain their menstrual cycle outperform, statistically significantly perform better than those who have lost their menstrual cycle. And so the myth that we, we do better when we lose our cycles is not true. And, and so energy metabolism breaks down, and then we start to notice, and many women come to me saying, I'm working out harder, I'm eating less, but I'm getting softer. I'm, you know, I don't have the energy, I'm working harder and longer, this is um, often with runners, I'm, I'm training longer, and my performance is diminishing it's, um, you know, I've got brain fog, I can't sleep well, all of these things start to, you know, mood disturbances, they are all from low energy availability. And so you ultimately will not be able to sustain your sport for the long haul.
1: And in the general population for that person who jumps into a weight loss plan, maybe it is a really calorically restricted diet, they're starting to see a lot of weight loss in the short term. Can you dive into what's going on there? What type of weight are they losing in that short phase and how does that translate into the longer term?
0: Well, it's kind of funny. It depends on exactly what they're doing and how much weight they had to lose to begin with. Um, People who are very overweight and obese can lose a lot of weight in a short period of time because the margin between how much food they need to maintain their weight and sustain that weight versus the amount of food that they actually need to be healthy is large and so it's a it's a wide range and so in order to um you know if, if they if they decrease that even halfway they lose a lot of weight in the beginning and that's okay um no matter how they do it in fact as long as they're getting enough of their you know essential nutrients and macronutrients there it's okay and and sometimes even the data supports that people who lose more weight early on actually are more successful in in maintaining a weight loss program and maybe even maintaining their weight loss over time however If you have only a smaller amount of weight to lose, let's say, you know, 20 to 30 pounds, your margins of your caloric intake for maintaining weight versus losing weight are much narrower. And so you begin to restrict more so. And then you put yourself in that very low energy availability category. In that instance, if what you've done is let's say the very common practice today is removing carbohydrate from the diet and i mean really removing carbohydrate not just taking out the fast food and the snack foods and the and the just starchy foods but you're still eating fruits and vegetables if you have removed if you've gone on a ketogenic diet or you're eating below 50 grams of carbohydrate a day that can't fuel exercise. That can fuel a couch potato. And so if you're trying to exercise and you're feeling fatigued and you're not sleeping well and you're having a hard time handling your moods, then you're not going to maintain that. You will have lost it initially. Along with the sort of very low carb diet, you lose a lot of water because as we store carbohydrate in our muscle cells for each molecule of stored carbohydrate which we call glycogen, we store three molecules of water right in that muscle cell which is where we want it so that we're well hydrated and energy metabolism can take off like a rocket when we need it, when we exercise and protein metabolism can can kick in when we want to recover, repair, and grow muscle, get bigger, faster, stronger, basically. So, so when that water is lost, as we deplete carbohydrate from our body, the scale goes down. But that has no reflection at all to what's happening with our body composition. The only thing that body weight on a scale reflects is our body's mass relationship to gravity.
1: <laughs> <It doesn't laughs> True.
0: Nothing to do with fat loss, fat gain, muscle loss, muscle gain, it just has nothing to do with it. So, the fact that we've lost a bunch of weight, it is some fat. It's also a significant amount of water and depending on how large your body is, you can easily lose 10 pounds of water, um, you know, the larger you are. And the minute you start to eat carbs again, that, you know, nine-tenths of that weight returns. And it's very frustrating. And most people say, well, the heck with it. I'm a failure. I can't do this. And I'm just going to bag it and go back to the fish and chips or whatever else I've always been eating because, because my body is broken and it doesn't work. And in fact, you just have the wrong information. Our bodies will work with the right information.
1: Absolutely. Well said. And of course, I'll definitely circle back to the mindset piece as we get towards the end here. But um, if we talk about baselines, you touched on things like, you know, a scale, tape measures, calipers, bioimpedance, DEXA scan. You know, is there something that you prefer with, with your clients if it's general population versus athletes? Where can people start?
0: Oh, how do your pants fit? I mean, <laughs> nice. it's, it's what's your goal? Make your measurement reflect your goals. And so if if it doesn't matter... Whether your body composition, your percent body fat is 28% or 22%, don't measure it. That's not, you know, you're not trying to hit a target because of a specific position on a team where we have, you know, gobs of data that people perform better at that body composition. And in fact, I don't even rarely use that because too many times it doesn't meet that individual's performance level. So, but but really, if what you're trying to do is be healthy, more fit, and look better to yourself in the mirror, then use those measurements. So you can, a waist circumference measurement is, might be the best measure for you. Um, if you are always sort of lean in your waist, but it's your, your hips that you think are carrying your weight then then measure your hips Um, and mostly for so many women it's how do I look in my jeans and so um, put those on and and see how you look but don't make it only about how you look it's really all about how you feel and um, and how are you sleeping at night are you able to rest well are you managing your moods well are your relationships going well do you have enough energy in your day to exercise because you should. That's super important. Exercise and diet are not two separate things. They are one. We need to fuel our our bodies to be able to have the energy to exercise and if we're not exercising, we won't have the energy that we need to get through the rest of our day and life's challenges well. So. So, the, the, the combination is critically important. While you may read that exercise doesn't help you lose weight, it's all about exercise when we want to maintain weight and exercise during weight loss helps you maintain your muscle mass, which helps you stay healthier and stronger and improve your exercise performance. So, so keep the exercise in your life and challenge yourself and so, those those combinations, what are your touch points in your day of how you feel? Um, Are you getting sick a lot? Then you probably don't have enough fuel to maintain your immune system. There's, There's all these things we want to maintain our foundational well-being and health and all the systems that keep us healthy and fuel our exercise. And that combination will allow us to have an active life for the long haul and continually adjust our bodies to where we want it to be. for for an athlete, we do look at performance and we may do other measurements, body composition measurements, both for are you getting too lean? are you dropping too much weight? as well as um, knowing what your body composition is, I can best determine your absolute energy needs. And so we do, uh, body composition measures based on what are the tools available, either from my office or the team that I'm working with and and those can flux between multi-frequency bioelectrical impedance uh, to DEXA scans or, or whatever is available, uh, bod pods um, some teams have. Um, I don't use calipers too much anymore because I think that women in particular really focus on those numbers, and when I work with my clients, I don't give them their numbers. I tell them that they're irrelevant, that I need them to help determine their energy needs. They just need to keep doing what they're doing and focus on how they feel and perform.
1: Yeah, great advice there in terms of... um being able to link a lot of the things around weight loss to the health measures in terms of things like yeah people struggling to stay asleep or fall asleep people with digestive issues people with low energy people whose mood or anxiety i mean it's it's when you tie it into that health picture it obviously drives some of those habit changes so much more and i love what you mentioned there around yeah not even giving them the numbers because it's more important for you as the clinician versus you know their overall outcomes if, if we look at you know, classic strategies in nutrition for weight loss, you know, physiology textbooks will tell us, okay, cut 500 calories per day, you know, you arrive at your weekly fat loss, but of course we know it's not quite so linear uh, in real world clinical practice. So, um, you know, in your book, Power Eating, you, you, sh- you shed light on this, you talk about the work of Dr. Dan Bernadotte and comparing groups that had 300 cals versus 500 cows less per day. Can you share some of those insights with folks? And- yeah,
0: you know, it's funny, a lot of People um, that are out in practice, um, you know. Well, I guess I could say on on all sides, whether it's in laboratories, scientific data, there there hasn't been a lot of corroboration of his of Dan's numbers, and he hasn't continued that that research. However, I find it to be amazingly accurate, and I think that. Again, because the population that I work with typically is not obese. Uh, we are working on sort of sometimes it's not even changing body weight but altering body composition. Other times it is maybe the last 10 pounds. Uh, or occasionally a woman who has, you know, is returning to athletics and maybe she's got. 20 to 25 pounds to go and so in those narrow windows of weight loss, um, dropping 500 calories is a lot uh, and hard to do very often uh, and she'll get hungry or she's not really fully fueling her training and so um, that's the one side of it. The other side is, is it, as you said, If 500 calories a day doesn't give us that magical pound a week loss, which we know it may do that for a week, but then you'll lose more and then you lose less and then maybe you gain weight one week and there's just, you know, there's no apparent rhyme or reason. Well we know that the body will respond, it's not static. It is a dynamic system that responds to the internal and the external environment. And so, so the if you can say, well, let's just drop you by 300 calories below what we know your absolute energy needs are and see what happens. I find it's actually uh, a more satisfying diet to the client and that the typical response of the body is more consistent because we're not like sending up those flares that we are in an energy deficit and your brain and your whole metabolic system is going to start to slow down because it responds to an energy deficit. It's going to slow down. So the less you can um, make a sort of be waving a flag that you're lowering energy intake, and maybe kind of fake out your brain. That that will get you further in the long run. And that, even though it is calories in, calories out, um, you know, the 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 actual energy equation hasn't changed but it doesn't stay static, that's the difference. And, and so when people try and argue on one side of that um, debate or another without considering that, that our system is responding to the, to the um, environment that it's in, it's a flawed argument. It becomes, like we say, you know, a red herring because the elephant in the room is the body's response and constantly titrating against the available substrate or the available energy to burn. And so the more we can narrow that gap, but still stay in a deficit, my observations over all these years is that we we really do get a better outcome.
1: Terrific. And when we look at things like protein intake Um, you know for general population women you know how important is protein for trying to trigger fat loss
0: very important very very important Um, so you know we we look at sort of dietary data and everyone says oh everybody gets plenty of protein well i don't see that in fact i you know it's better now that there's been such an emphasis on protein but you know, women in general, especially active women, restri- either restrict their diets on purpose um, because they are, you know, concerned about weight loss and may have some misinformation. The other is it's really hard to eat plenty and feel empty enough to train, and so we're restricting for hours around exercise so that we don't feel too full and have GI discomfort. So um, making sure that women are eating enough protein, protein is critically important for muscle protein synthesis or as we say, um, uh, muscle um, recovery, repair and growth. We also need protein to support all of you know our immune system our reproductive system it, it plays a role in so many areas of of all the systems in our body protein does help us maintain our muscle mass as we are losing weight and it increases energy metabolism and it decreases appetite so so it's really our friend during a weight loss plan but it's also very important whenever we are, no matter where we are as far as our, our body is concerned and so I recommend at least 20 grams of protein five times a day for most of my athletes and many of my athletes, I it may be six times a day or it may be a little larger serving each time to get in their protein needs. So that means that. You need to have protein every time you eat throughout the day, and um, not just a bite or not just a little, you know, uh, ounce of cheese. It means that you need to focus on protein at breakfast. With you know, if you're if you're uh, an omnivore, having you know fish or eggs, dairy is easy at breakfast, and 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 getting you know at least three ounces of whatever you're consuming and the same thing each time you eat throughout the day. And if you're, you know, eating mostly plant foods, then making sure that you're getting good sources of protein in your grains and beans and and nuts, and legumes, all of that is really important. Uh, and also understanding that nut milks are not good sources of protein
1: yeah very good point I mean it's definitely one where I think a lot of the, um, I see in clinical practice of a of, of fear of, of quote-unquote bulking up with too much protein is, is often cited and, and and as you mentioned you know thinking that you can swap out a nut milk for for traditional milk as well as a source of protein um, any other strategies in terms of you know whether it's supplements or th- meals throughout the day for for people to be adding in more proteins
0: you know, again, I think it's I, there's there's women who do much better on three meals a day and maybe one snack, or their three meals a day and they their snacks are actually especially athletic women around their training, and um, and so and then there's women who sort of are more comfortable grazing, and um, I really focus on. Not just the protein, but healthy carbs and healthy fats. Every single time you eat, uh, the combination each time you eat is very helpful for having all of the nutrients available that you need, sort of floating around in your bloodstream all the time. And uh, that's that's one sign, and it's important biochemically, for brain function, for mood, and we know that mood and mental energy uh, during the day, ability to focus, also ability to rest, relax, and sleep at night is critical for just healthy functioning of anybody, but it's very important for weight loss. So uh, it's, it's important for helping to control uh, our choices and not panic eating. Uh, And it's also important to help decrease anxiety and coping with stress. And ultimately, rest and sleep at night plays a huge role in our ability to manage all those stress hormones and get the growth and repair at nighttime that really helps us lose weight. Um, Secondly, again, fueling around your training. So many women are phobic about starches, so starchy foods like potatoes, breads, uh, pastas, even some women, beans, um, sources, and I'm not saying cake and cookies, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking, you know, um, that that's okay to eliminate from your diet if you want to, but, you know, and added sugars, but what you do need as an athlete is. the the fuel for your training and if you do any kind of high intensity training and certainly have an athletic challenge as part of your training, then you must fuel your body with carbohydrate. If you don't, then when you do that high, what you think is high intensity training feels like high intensity training. Actually what we call your rate of perceived exertion, how hard you think you're working, will feel out of a scale of 10, like a nine or a 10, but if we actually measure your work output, it's much lower, what would normally feel like a five or a six, so all those women who come to my office and say, I am training so hard, I am exhausted, I can't even get out of bed after five o'clock, I'm laying in bed already, and I'm not getting the results and I'm getting softer, they're always on low carb diets, and when we measure their work output, it's low. And so they're not getting the training effect that they think they're working toward and their body certainly isn't responding with the weight loss that they think they should get. They're not burning the calories that they think they are. So there's no advantage to underfueling your training. I do like to have women put their carb to work for them. So whether, if you can eat food within two hours or three hours of exercise and you can get in a good slug of carb with a little protein, Uh, try and limit any fiber that slows stomach emptying. Limit fat that slows stomach emptying. Um, Carb and and so starchy food is usually the best choice with a a little bit of protein. If you want it, you don't have to have it because that also slows stomach emptying a little. That's the choice. If you can't eat, and I'm one of those women, I've had, my daughters are, many of my clients are, it's the reason they're underfueled going into training because they're gonna otherwise be puking off the side of the boat.
1: <laughs> Never a good rug. thing in competition.
0: Um, that is, and, and you know, full disclosure, the company that I work with, it's a, um, I've used the product for well over a decade is Vitargo and um, it is available in the UK and it is a pure starch, there's no sugar but it's the fastest emptying carbohydrate that we know of Um, and it is um, more than twice as fast as any of the other carbohydrate fuels in sports nutrition products including maltodextrin. So it empties very quickly within starts to empty within 10 minutes from the stomach you can fuel up with I usually like 30 to 45 minutes prior to training it is already on its way to your bloodstream you're feeling the effects you're putting your starch to work for you you can titrate to your own needs because it's a powder so you can say well is today's workout a A 50 gram workout uh, that needs an extra 200 calories worth of carb, or is it a 70 gram workout and I need 280 calories worth of carbs? You're going, or or if you're doing endurance training, hours and hours, you can continue to drink it during your training and you gulp it down. You don't do little sips. And It will fuel your training and you will feel remarkably different. It's I, I Have always been evidence-based. I have rarely put my name to a product, but this one is a game-changer
1: Can you highlight to folks isn't that the difference between oftentimes obviously the sports drinks are sucrose based what that difference is when they're uh, training
0: right so um, you know, we, we've we come a long way in our understanding of carbohydrate science and transport across the gut um, lining, and so anything that's sucrose or glucose or fructose, those are simple carbohydrates. What we talk, you know, discuss is sugar, and there's a limit to how much you can consume because, you um, it requires energy to transport glucose across the intestinal membrane, which is good. But fructose, in fact, kind of, you know, everyone has a different capacity to transport that across the gut. And very often, whether it's glucose, sucrose, fructose, um, even maltodextrin, we, you have a limit. And if you have more than about... Um, some people 30 to 35 grams an hour some people can get up to 60 grams an hour they get gut rot if they're over you know doing it over and over again over hours and many people even within one hour will have stomach upset or you know digestive discomfort um, because it hangs around too long in the gut and it's sort of similar if you want to think about to almost lactose intolerance. It's that the sugar gets, it takes too long for it to transport and it gets into the wrong place in the gut and so we get discomfort. And so, um, and it takes a little longer to empty from the stomach. So you need more time before you're going to exercise and if you're using it on the run or during training, you have to sip it so that your body can continually um manage it. Whereas with vitargo, it's not a sugar. It's a starch. There is no sugar. It's an enormous molecule. Um, because of that, and there's a whole lot of science we could get into, in all likelihood it does not pull any fluid into the gut if you have too much. And I have athletes who can consume 100 grams an hour 150 grams an hour which means ironman competition or you know any of the ultra distance athletes can can fully fuel and we never need to to refuel 100% of our energy we're eating we do have some stores but the more you can push carb in in an athletic event that takes that's over a long period of time the more fuel you've got for your sprint to the finish that's the key that's what we're all aiming for and so if you can both have no sense of fullness no sugar spike no crash no sense of of stomach discomfort from the beginning to the end and then very rapidly recover at the end in case you have tournament play or multiple matches in one day or you have successive days of training and so that's the other thing about this product is that it is the fastest recovery of glycogen in the muscle cell and everything I've said to you about the product is in um, peer reviewed published research studies in highly regarded Journals and the research was begun at uh, in in uh, Sweden at the Karolinska Institute in the same labs where carbohydrate loading was discovered. Creatine uh, was worked on beta alanine, so this is a legit thing. Um, and I'm I you know I don't mean to advertise. I've talked about it like this for you know a decade before I was ever associated with the company. It has really. But but whether you use a product, a different product, or food, do something. Um, I am a registered dietitian and I'm all about food first. And if you feel that you are 100% using food, go for it. But if you're restricting, because you can't use food, um, and in fact, the data on Ironman competitors are the ones who complain the most about digestive discomfort through their training and particularly during their events, are those who depend more on food, and most of those reports are from women. So be aware that it is not a necessary evil or side effect of doing intensive exercise to have digestive upset kind of like people assume that well it just hurts when I go to the dentist and there's no better way and then all of a sudden you got to a dentist who cared about your pain
1: (laughs) exactly yeah it's great insights there in terms of you know circling back you know low carb diets being a great proxy for just getting the junk and the sugar and the processed things out of people's diets especially people trying to lose 20 30 pounds more um, to achieve that caloric deficit for weight loss but then we you know the message almost gets confused because it's Folks are fitter and more athletic. Carbohydrates becoming so key for that training effect, uh, and being able to get those in is just crucial. So, um, if we dovetail this into something you touched on earlier, which is hit training, you know, is that something that if people are looking for time-efficient ways to to get leaner, to get fitter, is that a good strategy for them to incorporate?
0: Absolutely. And you know, this week there were more studies. Every, I think, I think I don't know how many studies a month are published on this now. It really is even if you're not time restricted, it's the, it's the right strategy to include as part of your training. So yes, HIIT training, high intensity interval training, where if you're time restricted, you can get a great workout where you're using your whole body and you're using all your energy systems. And the reason that this is so important is because the recovery from that exercise, not only do you get a really good metabolic hit and a good training effect from hit training but your recovery takes a lot of energy and so the afterburn is long and high and that's what that's really when you lose when you burn fat so so that's the goal it's not under fueling your training so that you think you're burning more calories. During your exercise, uh, or you're getting a greater benefit from the calorie burn during exercise because you're not fully fueling that exercise. In fact, you're going to be burning fewer calories than you could have if you would have fully fueled your training. It's on the, the the backside. It's the afterburn. So the higher the intensity, the longer the duration, the heavier your workout, the higher the afterburn and that's when you burn fat, and that's the goal, and that's what's sustainable. So then when you take your recovery shake or you eat your recovery meal, that increases your caloric burn. You get another 10% of an energy burn when you refuel and recover. So not eating after exercise and thinking now I've really helped my weight loss. No, you've lost one of the big added benefits of training, which is the additive effect of refueling yourself and compounding that energy burn. So so fully fuel your training. Train as hard as you possibly can to your maximal capacity. Increase the afterburn and recover with some kind of good meal or shake or whatever you do, and, and then if you're restricting, if you want to lose weight, cut out calories another place in the day, but not around your training. That's my secret to what I do with my athletes.
1: Great advice, and uh, last year I had Dr. Martin Gabala on the show, so for listeners listening in, he's had some great uh, protocols for, for hit routines, especially for people who are time-challenged, as you mentioned there, you know, can get some great uh, benefits. And, you know, on the other side of things with lifting weights, one of the common, obviously, things I'm sure you've heard is the idea of, again, getting bulky for lifting weights. You know, how important is lifting weights uh, for women in terms of weight loss? And is there, you know, when we lift heavier weights versus lighter weights, can you highlight some of the different effects in terms of neurological versus muscular?
0: Yeah, so it is the rare woman who really gets bulky. I mean, <laughs> we just can't. We don't, I mean, unless you're, unless you're taking the juice, you're just not <laughs> going to get bulky. Um, you know, we don't have the biochemistry for that. So... Um, what will happen is you will get firmer, you will get stronger, you'll be able to, you know, carry your groceries up to your fourth floor walk up, but you won't bulk up and um, you'll feel more powerful, more energetic in your head and in your body, but you won't look that way. So, um, maintaining your muscle throughout your lifetime keeps us. More independent as we age, uh, and so that's critically important. It helps maintain our bone structure. The more we weight lift, and so as we go into menopause and postmenopause, it's critically important. It's not just popping calcium pills that are going to keep your bones healthy. You must be doing resistance training. So the other part, as far as weight control, is that we know that people who do resistance training exercise while they're on a weight loss program, maintain more muscle mass and lose equally as much fat, for sure. Um, And in some studies, more fat. So again, it's not about what your body weight is, it's about what's your composition, because two women who have uh, the same exact weight but one is at 32% body fat and one is at 24% body fat, they will look remarkably different. And the one at the higher percent body fat will definitely um, look much bigger, even though their height and weight is the same than the woman who is a higher muscle mass and a lower body fat. So if the way you look, the way your jeans fit, if that's important to you, then strength training is what's going to get you where you want to go. We still need to do aerobic exercise to get a really good pump on our heart uh, and use our lungs, but it is not the be-all and end-all, and you will not really get the body shaping what I call sculpting that you want, if you only do um, aerobic or endurance exercise. On the other hand, if you do hip training and you do weightlifting and never run a mile, you will you can have an amazingly sculpted body and a very healthy cardiorespiratory system. So so we get multiple bangs for our buck. <laughs> doing um, resistance training and HIIT training.
1: Awesome. Very well said. Um, And I know we're getting on here, so I want to respect your time, but last couple questions here. One of them very common is the use of supplements and, of course, thermogenics for weight loss, Um, whether it's caffeine supplements, pre-workout supplements. Where do you stand there in terms of the person trying to lose that 30 pounds for weight loss? Is this going to support them? Is this going to become more problematic on a mood sleep front? Um, can you provide some insights there?
0: Yes, <laughs> agreed. So, um, you know, again, two sides to this story. So, if you're training hard and you you you're a caffeine user, let's say you you know drink coffee or tea or anything. Again, I like to put the caffeine around training because it will, for many people, um, help them work out harder longer. So we call it reducing the rate of perceived exertion. So you're, you're training harder and you don't notice it uh, and you go longer. So you may get a better workout. Um, but you don't use caffeine alone. I have my clients mix it with their carbohydrate pre-exercise. Now, most um, pre-workout formulas have no carbohydrate or a drop. You know, maybe five grams at most, and so so twenty calories of carb at most, and that drains you. So, um, and as you know, the if you're constantly hitting your body with a stimulant, and you don't give it the the real fuel that it needs, and I always think that energy drink is an oxymoron because in these energy drinks with no carb, not the ones that are full of sugar, there's actually no energy in there. Um, The energy comes from macronutrients that have calories. And so when you're drinking very low calorie energy drinks, you're actually draining energy from your body. You're robbing your body. It increases stress hormone uh, secretion. It, It can put you in a real bind when it comes to trying to lose weight, and it will stall that, and you will feel terrible. So um, I am not a proponent of the pre-workouts that only has stims or stimulants in them, um, and I'm not an advocate of that. If you're not athletically challenging yourself, you don't need it at all. And be careful how much caffeine and other stimulant you use throughout the day. Um, uh, But if you like green tea, there may be a benefit, you know, that we have all of these, you know, coffee, green tea, any of, same as all our, the whole plant kingdom, it does give us uh, anti-inflammatories, antioxidants, there are benefits, and there are some studies supporting green tea throughout the day, maybe five cups a day, that's well steeped, that may help you maintain sort of your appetite control and a very slightly elevated energy metabolism. It's nothing to write home about. It may be at best 50 extra calories in the day, but there's a health benefit to it as well. So, and most people don't get caffeine jitters from drinking green tea so I like to kind of mix it up with different teas there can be green it can be oolong make sure they're good quality where they come from they're clean but um but the the idea of just the pre-workout um is can can really put you in a very bad place as far as uh overstimulation of the body and as you anxiety and, and disturbed weight loss because of stress, hormone, secretion.
1: Yeah, that's very well said because it's definitely something that I see people can kind of fall down that, that trail of, of maybe getting some benefit with their workouts with a bit more coffee and then with an added supplement or stimulants. And then all of a sudden, you go down that road. People will really be relying on them. We start to interfere with deep sleep. And now there's more cravings and fatigue. And it really starts to unravel for them. Um, so. Again, fantastic insights, Susan, thanks so much for taking the time today. I'm gonna to wrap things up with one last question for you. If you had to recommend one thing for someone, a female client trying to lose weight, I know that's incredibly difficult, but if you had one general suggestion for folks, what would that be?
0: In, in sort of the clientele that I see, and I would say it's pretty universal, make sure you're fueling your training don't go and and you must be exercising that's number one um, I don't take a client who doesn't exercise because I don't know it's a lie to say that I'm gonna help them sustain a healthy body body weight for a lifetime so you can't do it with diet alone it must be the marriage of diet and and physical fitness so with that, Always fuel your training, however you do that, because you are um, you're 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 not you're wasting your time in the gym. Let's put it that way. If you're not fully fueling, you can't maximize your training. So my sort of overall message, kind of overarching message, is to understand that we have a uh, minimal amount of data regarding the needs of the active and athletic female. There's very little research. It's beginning to grow and that that has created a vacuum to allow the diet world to swoop in and masquerade as sports nutrition for women. The diet world doesn't know what it's talking about even for people who are overweight and obese. Clearly, we haven't accomplished much. and now they come in and they start to tell women that it's it's their diets that they have developed on a, you know a, a whim and a prayer uh, on Madison Avenue to promote and sell to women. They have been appealing to women emotionally for over a century, and now they're doing it in the world of sports and athletics for women as well. And it is not just inappropriate. It is dangerous. It is harming the health of women and girls. And I, am, I strongly recommend that you ignore all of that advice because it's wrong. And, and seek out um, information that is published, that is evidence-based, ask questions, have high expectations of the products you use and the programs you follow.
1: Phenomenal stuff, Susan. I'm such a big fan of your work and great message there. Um, Love all your books as well. Where can people stay connected with you, um, with your work, on social media, and pick up uh, any of your great books?
0: Oh, great. Well, so I I do have a website that is drskleiner.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram is at Power Eat. I have Dr. Susan Kleiner under Facebook. I'm not the greatest social media maven, I have to admit. <laughs> but, but I Full do, disclosure. Yeah, I do try, and I'm probably best on uh, my Dr. Susan Kleiner Facebook page as far as putting out research that I'm reading or things that's, that are going on. Um, and, uh, and so don't be disappointed if I'm not quite as active as, as some others. It's just I'm busy.
1: <laughs> Only so many hours in the day, right?
0: <laughs> but my books are available either on my website, uh, on Amazon, in bookstores. And uh, again, a full disclosure, because once this starts, I like people to know I am in the midst of uh, writing the fifth edition of Power Eating, so um, watch that it should be, I hope, published um, uh, maybe the fall of 2018 is is kind of the goal. So. Um, Stay close to my social media because I will probably be posting little excerpts as I'm um, getting close to to publication.
1: Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely include all those links in the podcast summary and the show notes at drbubbs.com forward slash podcast. Susan, thanks so much again for taking the time today. Thanks for everyone else tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Dr. Bubs. Of course, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share with friends. Thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week.
0: The Dr. Bubs Performance Podcast endeavors to provide accurate and helpful information to listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Dr. Bubs Performance Podcasts.